0: Hello. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Talks in Class. I'm Jenna, and thank you for joining me for this very last episode of the pod for this year already. It's a very special holiday edition this week to finish out 2022. Next week, as you may know, we will be in the middle of our cross-country drive. We're leaving Connecticut after Christmas and driving out to California because we're moving to LA. So we will be on the road for a full week. So because of that, there won't be a podcast next week, but I will be vlogging the entire trip or as, as much as I can over on YouTube. So if you're into that, you can follow along there and I will resume the podcast in January. We are going the southern way to L.A. because we want to avoid any sort of potential bad weather or at least as much as we can. And it's a good thing because apparently the entire country is supposed to be getting some crazy winter storm this week. If you're watching on video, you can see I'm wearing a giant hoodie. It is Absolutely freezing here. I think the entire country is under some sort of like arctic freeze The temperature has just been plummeting the last couple of days and apparently this weekend it's gonna get even colder So wherever you are stay warm Stay inside. I don't know. Hopefully everything on our drive will go as smoothly as it possibly can considering we have to go across the entire country and we will be in LA in early January. Yesterday, I went into the city to get my hair done, uh, the city being New York City, and it was the last time I'll be in the city until whenever we come back to visit, which will be who knows when. So I did get a little bit sad. I do love New York at Christmas, although the crowds, the crowds make it make it easier to leave. (laughs) But I am really looking forward to the move, especially because, like I said, it suddenly got super cold here. And I just don't do well in the cold. I never have. It's really hard for me to believe that I grew up in Wisconsin because the cold is not for me. So I am looking forward to nicer weather. So as always, I will start with my what good happened. If you're new, what good happened is exactly what it sounds like. It's just a little opportunity to acknowledge something good or happy that happened recently, something that just made you smile. And I just think it's a nice, way to think about those little things, you know, those little things that make you smile. I really think that those small moments or those small things that you do just because you enjoy them are what makes life joyful. So we're already getting cheesy. It is the holiday spirit around here. My what could happen this week is that aside from this podcast that I am recording right now. I finished all of my work and I sent off everything that needed to be sent off that I needed to do between now and the beginning of January, which is such a beautiful feeling to know that I am officially on holiday break, or at least as close to holiday break as you can get when you're an adult with a job and you're about to drive across the country with a dog, but you know. Do you remember that feeling in college, when you'd finish finals and you just knew that you were free for the next three, four weeks, however long it was for winter break, that feeling was the best. Like you finally push through all the stress of finals week and then it's just complete and total freedom. We do not get that as adults. It just keeps going when you're an adult. So at least for now, for the next 10 days or so, it's a very nice feeling to know that I don't have anything immediately pressing that I need to do. It's not a month, but you know, we'll take what we can get. You know what I mean? Like I said, this week's episode is going to be a special holiday edition. Christmas is my favorite, favorite holiday ever since I was a kid. It's my favorite time of the year. I love the holiday season, everything about it. I just, I get so happy. I actually, when I was a kid, used to get really sad when Christmas was over, like on Christmas night. I would have this feeling, of almost mourning, and I also think that the holidays are just naturally a really nostalgic time. We spend time with families. We might travel home to our hometowns or go to relatives' houses where we spend a lot of time as kids. We have these traditions that we've been doing for years or even decades or generations. We watch the same movies and listen to the same music, eat the same food, all of that. So in honor of that, in today's episode, I am going to count down my top 10 christmas movies from the 90s and 2000s but before we get into that here is your not so gentle reminder that christmas is here basically the holidays are here it's past due we've we've passed the deadline chances are actually that by the time you listen to this it is here and maybe past so if you still have gifts to buy At this point, even Amazon Prime is not gonna cut it. It's too late. So here's my little reminder that I have a clothing rental service and my clothing rental service, which is called Jenna Barclay Style Box, is a great gift for any of the ladies in your life who may be looking to add a little variety into their wardrobe. You can very easily gift a one, two, or three month subscription directly to anybody you'd like right through the website. And if you'd like to try it out for yourself, because I like to give gifts for myself as well, the first month is always free. You don't need a code. It is always free. All you have to do is go to jennabarclaystylebox.com and hit get started, or to give a gift, you can select give a gift from the menu at the top of the screen. Enjoy. Before I get into my list, I have to say, I love Christmas movies. I will watch all holiday movies. The cheesier the better, honestly, in my opinion. Give me all the holiday, Hallmark, made-for-TV movies. Give me the Christmas comedies. Give me the kids' holiday movies, animated, whatever. I, I love them. I will watch them all. But the ones on this list have a very special place in my heart. And there are a couple on this list that I wouldn't even necessarily reserve just for the holidays. I could watch them all year round, anytime. They're just legitimately such great movies. I also have to say that there were a lot more holiday movies that I really love and have nostalgic feelings about than I initially would have thought. And really what I was surprised by is how many 2000s Christmas movies came to mind because I would have assumed that it would be mostly movies from the 90s. And actually, there were several 2000s movies that I love that I left off this list because I only had 10 spots. So cuts had to be made. But like I said, I really expected more of my favorites to be from the 90s because one, I was a child in the 90s, but two, the 90s really had the best movies in general. So many classics, absolute classics, came out in the 90s. But I gotta say, the 2000s, The 2000s were good at a couple things and holiday movies apparently is one of them. Also, a little valuable information which I just realized two days ago. When you Google a movie title now, there is a feature that says watch now and you can select all the streaming services that you subscribe to and Google will tell you where to watch it based on that. What a valuable feature. Like I said, I just noticed this a couple days ago so I don't know if it is actually new or if I have just discovered it. But either way, I know there are apps that do this, but having it right on Google, brilliant. Super, super convenient. Way to go, Google. Love that. So if you're wondering where to watch any of these as you're listening to this list, you can literally just Google it and it will tell you. And with that, let's get into this list, shall we? Number 10 is Jingle All The Way from 1996. Jingle All The Way stars none other than Arnold Schwarzenegger. So Clearly, it's already a classic. But Arnold plays a dad who has to quite literally fight other dads in toy stores to get this Turbo Man doll or action figure whatever you want to call it. It's the it toy of that year. And he has to run all over town, all the different stores, and fight off other parents and try to get his hands on this toy for his kid. The whole premise of this movie brings back these memories of the absolute hysteria hysteria over these kind of it toys, like Tickle Me Elmo or Furbies. These toys would become all the rage somehow, and it would be impossible to get them at Christmas time. And of course, because this is the way that things go, because you couldn't get it, everybody wanted it, right? Like I remember when the Furby craze came out, why did I want a Furby? I have no idea, but the moment I found out you couldn't get it, I had to have one. that's just the way that it goes I think it was Christmas 98 or maybe 99 but you could not find a freaking Furby anywhere there was a a Furby shortage and we all decided we needed that Furby I did finally get one I don't think I got it that year I think I got it whatever the following year was and looking back you know what we were way better off without that Furby (laughs) Once we all finally got our hands on the Furby and that thing started talking in the middle of the night, completely unprompted, we were like, you know what? Take it back. Take it back to Toys R Us. (laughs) I don't want it anymore. But this was the days before people would buy them all up and then resell them for, you know, 10 times the price on places like eBay We did an online shop in the late 90s. You had to just run or your parents just had to run from Toys R Us to KB Toys to Walmart to Target and just pray that they would find one of these toys. Number nine is the Grinch, the Jim Carrey Grinch from 2000. First of all, this movie is a lot older than I thought. I did not think this came out in 2000. I really thought it was later than that, but that's a whole different story. Okay, I'm going to ruffle some some tail feathers with this one, but in general, I am not a big Jim Carrey fan. I find him, or I guess his, his comedy, his style, his brand of comedy, annoying. I'm not really sure if that's the word I want to use, but there's something about it. It's just not for me. I'm not a fan. I think it is because I came of age in the dumb and dumber, Ace Ventura age of Jim Carrey. Those movies were huge when I was in like elementary school. And I think now, even 25 years later, whenever I hear Jim Carrey talk, it reminds me of all the little fourth grade boys constantly quoting Ace Ventura and Dumb and Dumber. Endlessly, just over and over and over and imitating him poorly, by the way. So I think that's why I'm not a fan. But regardless, not usually for me, with the exception of Dumb and Dumber is hilarious. And I really do love the Grinch. And I love him as the Grinch. He really plays... Cromudgeonly Dr. Seuss monster very, very, very well. It's very convincing to me. I think the reason why I thought this movie came out later than 2000 is because I remember feeling like I was a little too old for it when it came out, but I guess I was in eighth grade in 2000. But I have definitely grown to appreciate it more and more over the years. Of course, the original Grinch, the animated Grinch cartoon, always reminds me of childhood, so there's a strong nostalgia factor there for sure. But what I really... I think love the most about this movie is the portrayal of Whoville. It's just so festive. It's magical. It's cute. I want to live there. Like I want to move there for the month of December. And not to mention we have little tiny Taylor Momsen as Cindy Lou Who. Absolutely adorable. If we only knew that in just a few short years she would become the absolutely iconic Jenny Humphrey. I mean if we only knew. Number eight. This one might be a little bit of a deep cut, but number eight is the movie Holiday in Handcuffs from 2007, which I believe was a made-for-TV movie, but it definitely was always part of the 25 Days of Christmas back when it was still ABC Family, and I used to watch it there every single year. I'm not sure if it's still on that lineup, but it, it used to be. If you are unfamiliar with this absolutely classic holiday film, please find it and watch it immediately. Check the Google where to watch feature and give it a watch. It stars none other than Melissa Joan Hart and Mario Lopez. How is that for a duo? Okay, but really, as a child of the 90s who had very unhealthy obsessions with both Clarissa explains it all and Sabrina the Teenage Witch, I will watch anything with Melissa Joan Hart. But this one gives us Melissa Joan Hart and Mario Lopez and a ridiculous The premise of the movie is that Melissa Joan Hart is kind of the black sheep of her family and rather than face her family as a single woman yet again she decides to kidnap a stranger Mario Lopez and force him to pose as her boyfriend for an entire weekend at some cabin in the woods with her entire family. (laughs) As you can imagine hijinks ensue shenanigans take place and like any terrible but amazing cheesy made-for-TV movie he sees past her quirky personality and her you know felony kidnapping and they fall in love heartwarming it is epically bad (laughs) in the way that only TV movies can really capture but I'm telling you it's amazing go watch it number seven Is Deck the Halls from 2006. You see what I mean? So many 2000s movies on this list. This is definitely a guilty pleasure holiday movie for me, but honestly, who doesn't love Danny DeVito? If you don't find Danny DeVito hilarious, I don't think I can trust you. I just, everything about him is funny. In this movie, he plays a suburban dad who is in a very heated competition with his neighbor and fellow suburban dad who is Christmas loving and jolly but you know kind of uptight and boring. Matthew Broderick plays him and they're essentially competing for who can be the most Christmassy dad in town, like the most festive dad. Danny DeVito wants to put enough lights on his house for it to be seen from space. And this is funny to me now, because in 2006, Google Earth was mind-blowing technology. Like, do you guys remember when you first discovered Google Earth and discovered that you could see actual images of places and you could input actual addresses and see that. I mean, this was mind blowing. So naturally, this is at the heart of the plot is that Danny DeVito wants his house to be lit up with so many Christmas lights. You can see it from space, aka on Google Earth. The best part of this movie, in my opinion, is that Danny DeVito has these super hot, tall, blonde twin daughters, which of course is the joke because they're literally taller than he is, which is not that hard. But they wear all the iconic late 2000s outfits. They wear mini skirts and Uggs in the winter, ruffled tops, the fur trim bombers, all of it. I feel like most of the TV and movies that I loved in the 2000s, I loved at least in some part because of the fashion in them. That was my driving motivation for a lot of the things that I watched. And I got to admit, I think that that did have a lot to do with why I like this one too. If you haven't seen it, honestly, go watch it just for the twins outfits. They are Everything I aspired to be in 2006, right down to their blonde hair parted on the side and their bronzed tans in the middle of winter. Chef's kiss. Number six is the holiday. Also from 2006. 2006 was a good year for holiday movies, apparently. I just watched this movie again on my flight to Chicago a couple weeks ago, and it made me just as happy in 2022 as it did in 2006. I gotta say, I really love this movie. There's just something about it. It's a very cozy movie. I think it's one of those movies that it's really only a Christmas movie because it takes place at Christmas time, but really it's a straight up rom-com and a good one. The 2000s were the golden age of rom-com. How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, 13 Going on 30, The Proposal, Sweet Home Alabama. I mean, I could go on. It it was the golden age for rom-coms. And this is a, a great one. And you know what? I was also thinking, kind of follows the Hallmark movie formula. Okay so Cameron Diaz is this no-nonsense city girl workaholic and she doesn't know how to cry. She's emotionless. She's successful and she lives in this huge beautiful house but you know she's a total failure when it comes to relationships. I think her only friend is her assistant. She drives all these men away. You get the idea. Then she goes to England and meets this handsome stranger in a little English cottage village and falls in love and learns to you know, feel feelings. And she sheds a tear. I actually love Kate Winslet's story the most because the old man, her neighbor that she befriends is the most adorable human I've ever seen in my life. And Jack Black is also very, very lovable in this movie. I mean, he brought her a Frappuccino with extra whip and took her to Blockbuster. What a guy. I mean, talk about the perfect date in 2006. Nailed it, Jack Black, nailed it. And really, it's just a feel good movie all around. Also, at 35 years old, being cuddled up in that little English cottage with the fire going, with a bottle of wine and some chocolates in bed like Cameron Diaz does, ideal evening. Number five is The Santa Claus from 1994. This one I think is just pure nostalgia for me. I watched this endlessly as a kid, and it's interesting because it's definitely a kid's movie, but it has a lot of adult themes, I mean. There's this whole subplot about a custody battle and the whole thing is about a divorce. And it's just, you know, it's one of those kids movies like we had in the 90s that were kids movies, but there's plenty of content in there for the adults as well. I also remember feeling like the mom was so chic with her Mia Wallace bob and her monochromatic outfits. She had like the early 90s style, completely down red nails. I thought she was so chic when I watched this as a kid. But I really love depiction of the North Pole in this movie. To this day, I think it's my favorite North Pole in any movie ever. It's very whimsical, but it's not cheesy. It's not too cutesy or too childish. It has the perfect amount of whimsy. And I also really like the elves. They're very smart. They're super high tech. They have a whole secret spy team, ELFS, that they deploy. It's a very creative unique depiction of the North Pole, and I've always loved it. Judy was my personal favorite elf. Of course, she was cute. She had great hair, glitter on her face. What's not to love? But something that I learned recently from all of you, actually, is that there is a large population of millennial children who had a crush on Bernard the elf, (laughs) from this movie. I did not know this until recently. So when I found out, I did a poll on Instagram and over a third of the people who responded said they were crushing on Bernard back in the day. Honestly, you guys, my mind was a little blown. I didn't know this was a thing. Personally, I will only ever see him as Wednesday's camp boyfriend from Adam's Family Value. So I think maybe that ruined the Bernard hype for me a little bit. But I don't know. I was just, I was never a Bernard fangirl myself. But man, a lot of you are. And passionately, there are a lot of very strong feelings about Bernard out there. Number four, getting down to the best of the best here. Number four is Home Alone from 1990. This is the original Home Alone. The first one is my number four pick. This is obviously perhaps one of the most loved Christmas movies definitely of our generation millennials maybe all time I mean it's it's a classic and it's definitely one of my favorite Christmas movies ever I could probably recite the entire movie start to finish I've seen it so many times I watch it multiple times every year I once wore an ugly sweater that said Merry Christmas you filthy animal to an office holiday party highly appropriate. Every time I go through O'Hare Airport, which is every couple of months when I go see my mom, the home alone scene of them running through the airport plays in my head. It's just one of those movies I think that's been so thoroughly embedded, so interwoven in our culture. Even I know people who haven't actually seen it and they still quote it. People quote it all the time. It's just it has become part of our culture, especially when it comes to the holidays. I love the entire movie. And also, I should note that I really, really love Catherine O'Hara. And I think everything she does is hilarious and brilliant. But my favorite part is really the John Candy part of the movie. Apparently, most of his lines in this were improv, which makes total sense. But I laugh so hard every single time I watch it. And I cannot imagine how Catherine O'Hara kept a straight face, especially when he starts telling her the story about how he he left his son at a funeral home once and then he's like, oh, yeah, you know, kids are resilient. He was fine once he started talking again. She keeps a total straight face. And I laugh and I've seen that a hundred times. So I can't imagine if it was the first time she heard him come up with that story, trying to keep a straight face during all that. Also, when he introduces himself as the polka king of the Midwest, what a Midwestern to say. My husband quotes that scene to me at least once a week. Number three is Home Alone 2 from 1992. Might be controversial. I get it. But in my opinion, Home Alone 2 is better than Home Alone 1. It's one of the rare, rare instances where I like the sequel more than the original. I've given this a lot of thought, you guys. I did not make this ranking without careful, careful consideration. Home Alone 1, the original, is definitely more iconic. It's more of a classic. I've seen it more, but I enjoy watching Home Alone 2 more than Home Alone 1. And here is why. First off, this is important. The New York setting at Christmas is perfect. It's perfect. There is nothing more magical than New York at Christmas time, especially through like a child's eyes like we get it in this movie, especially through a rich child's eyes who gets to stay at the plaza. The plaza is the icing on the cake. The plaza is beautiful any time of year, but at Christmas time, I mean, come on, you can't choose a better Christmas setting than the plaza in New York City in the snow. The snow is white. It's not even slushy gray snow like we have most of the time. It's just perfect. It the whole setting captures those rare New York winter days where there's a fresh coat of snow on the ground and everything looks really pretty and sparkly and not, like, dirty and disgusting. I love the shots in Central Park. I love the shots in the hotel. I love that he somehow gets from Midtown to Chinatown to Fidei, back to Midtown, all on his own as, what, an eight-year-old in a cute little montage. I also love the talk boy. It's kind of a weird... Thing looking back, that they used that so heavily in the plot. But I mean, didn't we all beg for a talk boy or a talk girl? That purple talk girl, that thing was amazing. Because of this movie, we all thought we could pull off some like seriously clever Kevin McAllister shenanigans with it, but we ended up just using it a couple times and then the batteries died and we threw it in a drawer and forgot about it. I think what I like about this is that there's this whole movie happening outside of the torture sequence with. Harry and Marv, which I really appreciate because obviously we got that in the first one. We got it in the second one, but there's more to it. In the second one, there's more to pay attention to. There's more to be invested in besides just him fighting these two bad guys. Number two, Elf from 2003. I cannot believe this movie is almost 20 years old. I'm really not digesting that information very well, to be honest, it's hard for me to believe this, and I think part of the reason why is because I don't think this has really aged badly. It doesn't feel dated to me, but because it is almost 20 years old, that means I have seen it probably minimum, I mean, bare minimum, 50 times. (laughs) That's a lot. I watch it multiple times every single year, and it is one of those movies that truly, truly, for me, never gets old. I think there's a lot of movies that we say never get old but a lot of it is the nostalgia factor but elf is legitimately entertaining and funny it's a funny movie and it's very christmassy but it is also very much a comedy this was really the heyday the height of will ferrell comedies i think like adam sandler had the 90s will ferrell had the 2000s when it comes to this sort of just you know ridiculous like guy comedy this was this was the will ferrell era. He really was so funny. And this movie is no different. It's just as funny as a lot of those other ones that he made during that time. The jokes hold up. It's clever. Even though I've seen it so many times, I still appreciate some of the cleverness that's behind some of the jokes. I also love the fact that Elf was playing on nostalgia even back in 2003 when we were still very much living in the kind of future focus post Y2K era. The North Pole, the elves costumes, all of the characters in the North Pole that are based on the old claymation Rudolph from the 60s, which, by the way, in 2003 would be like referencing something from the 80s now. And Ralphie from A Christmas Story is one of the elves. There is a lot of little nostalgic pieces in it that I didn't recognize in 2003 because I was 16 but I'm sure my parents appreciated when they were watching it at that time not to mention it's one of the most quotable movies ever I probably used a lot of elf quotes as Instagram captions in like 2014 and I'm not sorry I don't regret it I would do it again and that brings me to number one my top favorite Christmas movie from the 90s and 2000s just friends from 2005 this is not only the most slept on christmas movie ever but possibly the most underrated movie of the entire 2000s first of all anna faris is hilarious and she does not get enough credit she is so funny in the scary movie movies and house bunny i don't know if it was because i was in a sorority but i was obsessed with that movie and i rewatched it maybe about a year ago, and I was laughing so hard. She is legitimately really funny, and this one too. Also, we get Ryan Reynolds in a fat suit, singing all for one with a retainer. I mean, it's brilliant, it's amazing. Back in the day, there was always a heated Gosling versus Reynolds debate amongst my friends. This was back in the Hey Girl, Ryan Gosling memes. Do you guys remember those? If you don't Google them, it will will take you back. I was the only one of my friends who was firmly in Camp Reynolds, and I stand by that. If you're not familiar with the movie Just Friends, Ryan Reynolds is a former fat kid who's now a successful, rich, skinny music executive in LA and Anna Faris plays a absolutely (laughs) deranged pop star and they end up at Ryan Reynolds' mother's house in his hometown in New Jersey over Christmas because Anna Faris sets fire to their private jet by accident on their way to Paris for Christmas as one does. But really, if you haven't seen Just Friends, just shut this off right now and go watch it. I've already done the research for you. I googled it. It is on Peacock. It is on Hulu Premium. And you can rent it on Amazon Prime for $3.99. Just go. Come back when you're done and listen to the rest of this podcast. You'll thank me later. I laugh so hard every single time I watch this movie. And this is one of those that I've watched so many times and I still find it funny. There's just certain moments that feel so authentic to the experience of being from kind of a small town the experience of going home to your hometown and of course it being set in 2005 and it feels very authentic to that time it's not overly 2000 anna ferris's character being that she's a pop star is a little bit more trendy she has like the super long unblended paris hilton hair extensions but Everybody else feels really real and authentic. They have flip phones. There's a mention of Ashton Kutcher and Punked. Amy Smart is also in it, and in one scene, she wears a denim miniskirt over leggings. She also has this one turtleneck, and every single time I watch this movie, I say to my husband, I had that turtleneck. I had that exact turtleneck in high school. One thing that did always get to me about this movie, though, is that it opens with a flashback scene, and it's supposed to be 1995, and Amy Smart has a zigzag part in her hair and she's wearing platform flip-flops and overall the look is very 2001 to me and I always wondered if that was just incorrect like if it was a mistake or if there was some sort of intention behind it or if my small midwestern town was just that far behind the trends that people were wearing that in 1995 and I had no idea seems a little off I don't know that's my that's my only critique other than that (laughs) it's a flawless film that's my only note, regardless of that single, single note. It is tragically underrated. It's one of those movies that for some reason hasn't been picked up by a cable network and just played endlessly on a loop during the holidays. And I'm not sure why, but I'm sure eventually that will happen and then we'll all be sick of it. That is my list. I do have to give an honorable mention though to the movie Christmas Vacation. It came out in 1989, so it doesn't technically meet the requirements to be on this list, but it is definitely hands down in my top three holiday movies ever. I just couldn't do a holiday movie list without at least mentioning it because it's so good. It's so iconic. I can never, ever sit through someone saying grace at a family gathering without, (laughs) without hearing Uncle Lewis in my head saying, the blessing. And it's just... So funny. I hope you enjoyed this list and I hope it brought back some memories for you because it definitely did for me. Thank you so much for joining me for this last episode i have so much fun with these episodes so i really hope you enjoy them as well please share this episode with a friend who might enjoy it rate review and don't forget to subscribe i will be back in january from a new location a new state a new coast so in the meantime i hope you all have a wonderful holiday season with your family and your friends stay warm have fun have a cookie And as I used to say before winter break in elementary school, see you next year.